Good afternoon, everyone. Once again, we give thanks to God that we can be together for wor to worship our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're also blessed this afternoon that we can witness the baptism of Johanna Grace Fisher. May our Heavenly Father use this sacrament for the upbuilding of our faith. We warmly welcome all guests joining us this afternoon. Council has the following announcement. In light of the current health order, those in attendance are reminded to practice physical distancing and not gather in the group in groups in the foyer. This will allow those needing to leave the building to have a clear path to the exit. This afternoon's worship service will be led by our pastor, Reverend Julius Van Spronson. In preparation for worship, we will praise our God with the singing of hymn 13. We begin this worship service by together confessing our dependence on the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. We'll now sing together hymn 52, stanzas 1 and 2. Christ is our one foundation, and as his bride we are united under one charter of salvation. Hymn 52, stanzas 1 and 2, and after, as we'll 
remain standing after singing that, that we can profess our faith together while still standing. Let us now together profess our Catholic undoubted faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed as we sing them in hymn one. Glenn and Greta Vischer were blessed with a daughter, Johanna Grace, and they've asked that this, their daughter receive the sign and seal of the covenant in baptism.
For that reason, we'll read together the form for the baptism of infants as that's found on page 597 in the book of praise. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives that we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust Him and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes through weakness fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin. For baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. And although our children do not understand all this, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism Just as they share without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, so are they without their knowledge received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying what we read in Genesis 17, verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Peter also testifies to this when he says what we read in Acts 2 verse 39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Therefore in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. The circumcision was a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ also took them in his arms. We read in Mark 10, verse 16, he took them in his arms and blessed them, 
laying his hands on them. In the new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And as they grow up, their parents have the duty to instruct them in these things. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory for our comfort and for the upbuilding of the congregation, let us call upon his holy name. Almighty, eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood. But in your great mercy, saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you in your infinite mercy will graciously look upon this, your child, and incorporate Johanna Grace Vischer by your Holy Spirit into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that she may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that she, following him day by day, may joyfully bear her cross and cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that, Johanna, comforted in you, may leave this life which is no more than a constant death, and at the last day may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Now I ask the parents to rise Beloved in Christ the Lord, you have heard that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord our God to seal to us and our children his covenant. We must therefore use the sacrament for that purpose and not out of custom or superstition. And that it may be clear then that you desire baptism for the right purpose, you are to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you confess that our children, though conceived and born in sin and therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified in Christ and thus as members of his church ought to be baptized? Second, do you confess that the doctrine of the Old and New Testament summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church is the true and complete doctrine of salvation? And third, do you promise as father and mother to instruct your child in this doctrine as soon as she is able to understand and to have her instructed therein to the utmost of your power. What is your answer, Glenn and Greta? After the administration of baptism, we will sing together hymn 58. Standing, if you're able to stand. Johanna Grace Vischer, I baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
uh, join together in a prayer of thanksgiving. And as we, we pray as a congregation that Johanna may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness, we're praying together for what we desire and also committing ourselves to blessing the parents with our ongoing support and encouragement as they raise Johanna in the fear of God's name. We'll also ask the Lord for his blessing over the reading and proclamation of, of his word. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern this child by your Holy Spirit, that Johanna Grace Vischer may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness and may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that she thus may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy which you have shown to her and to us all. May she live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest, Jesus Christ, and valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil and his whole dominion. May Johanna forever praise and magnify you and your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. We praise you, O Lord, that we are able to worship you, to know you as our Father, to know the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask, O Lord, that as we turn to your word, as, we, as you speak to us in the Holy Gospel, that you will work powerfully in our minds and our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may understand the truth of what we are reading, and also grow in our understanding of our very faith, the fact that we do believe that you are our God. And we ask that you will bless the proclamation of this gospel again this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll now open our Bibles and read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to chapter 2, verse 16. It's the end of chapter 2. We read this in connection with what we confess about faith and as you're reading, you can pay attention to what Scripture teaches about how the Holy Spirit is actively opening our hearts to give us wisdom and understanding and to see our Lord Jesus as Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll start at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a 
a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. As far as the reading of Holy Scripture, we'll now sing together Psalm 32, where we together recognize that the man who experiences the grace of forgiveness is blessed. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. <clears throat> 